Hello, this is Joe, the Connection Counselor, and today on Executive Presence Morsels, we'll be sampling another bite-sized learning to help you be seen, be heard, and be elevated. Have you ever had a situation where you're sort of a victim of your own success? Well, something like that happened to me recently, or I realized I was creating my own problem recently, where I've been asking people to send in voice messages or emails about uh, executive presence, their experiences, challenges, and sometimes I get in a really good question. And the problem I've created for myself is I've gone ahead and um, pre-recorded a lot of these episodes so I can make my daily commitment to you. And if you've noticed, I also preview the next week's episode which is easy to do because I've recorded a lot in advance. What's difficult to do is to change the order and slip in a different episode so I can move the question I'd like to answer earlier in the sequence. So then I end up perhaps answering a question you've asked me today, like three months from now, which isn't really great for me, isn't really great for you. So solution that I came up with is to create a new bonus episode called XPM AMA, right? Executive Presence Morsels Ask Me anything. So if you do have a question that comes in and I'm able to come up with some good content, I will record that and release that pretty much right away um, as soon as I can as part of a bonus episode. And it doesn't have to interfere with my regular sequence. So today will be our first XPM AMA. It comes from Doug Alexander, um, an Army uh, veteran that I met via LinkedIn. Uh, he's got an amazing backstory, amazing training uh, in the military as well as in consultancy. And he had a couple pointed questions for me, and I'm going to try to see what I can do to help answer them for him and as well uh, for anyone else who may be wondering these things. So thanks. And without further ado, here's Doug. Hi, Joe. Douglas Alexander here. First off, I want to thank you for your invaluable mentorship as I transition back into the corporate life. Second, I have a two-part comment for you and your audience regarding mental health and genuine work-life balance. A, what research and action should firms be conducting to understand and take meaningful action towards ensuring equilibrium between productivity and a mentally thriving workforce? B, what strategic and tactical advice do you have for veterans, minorities, and disenfranchised groups struggling to re-enter the corporate world after a prolonged mental health break. Thanks. Doug, thank you so much for your kind words and your challenging questions. And I love getting questions like this from listeners because it really stretches my thinking and it forces me to integrate things that I've been reading, learning, thinking about, uh, into a very specific practical context. More often than not, there's usually a kernel of something I've, I've already learned or been thinking about that can be applied, but making that connection for someone like you when I get a specific question is not easy, but it's always very gratifying, and, and I end up with a better result than if I hadn't been asked the question. So thanks, Doug. Um, let's take your two questions. I divide into two questions, and we'll separate them out. So the first question you asked is, you know, I'll paraphrase, you know, what actions can companies take to ensure an equilibrium between productivity and mentally thriving workforce? So to restate, companies, 
right? They're there to run a business. So they need their people to be productive. However, sometimes that can conflict with people's ability to mentally thrive when um, the demands are too high and the resources aren't enough um, individually. I don't mean on a on a materialistic standpoint, but uh, mental, spiritual, you know, maybe sometimes even physical, emotional resources that people have to meet uh, those demands. So I came up with three R's uh, that companies could be using. And just a caveat, I'm not an HR consultant. What I really like to do is apply some of the concepts and principles of what I've been learning, uh, and those can be applied to more specific programs, but I'm not um, creating or espousing any programs here. Uh, I don't really see that uh, as my specific role. So there are three R's. The first one is recruit, right? Hire, it's going to sound weird, hire someone with mental health problems who's overcome those mental health problems to be one of the people that helps the company decide how to set a better program for mental health. So that's one thing. You wouldn't really hire someone with no experience in fighting fires to create a strong firefighting culture or, you know, pick your metaphor. So it's really important to pick people who have that kind of requisite understanding and experience. Now, it's not 100% required, right? There are people who haven't had that direct experience and can extrapolate, but I would say there's plenty of people who do have that experience and are in the business of creating these programs. Why not recruit for people who specifically have those challenges? And I would even go beyond that. I would say be very strong in intentionally recruiting people who have had sort of needed to take mental health breaks in the past and are now coming back because those are the type of resilient people that will shift the culture of the organization and create a culture where um, it's not about shame about being overwhelmed or having challenges. It's more about empathy. It's more about support. It's more about understanding. And frankly, it's kind of hard to get that if you don't have anyone in the workforce who's experienced that before. If you don't have anyone in the workforce who has had other colleagues, family members, or loved ones that have gone through that. So really recruit with, you know, mental health, you know, challenges and recovery uh, in mind, like specifically go after that. Uh, the second R is reinforce, right? So sure, you can hire people who've had mental health challenges, just like you can hire diverse uh, people, you know, on other spectrums into uh, your workforce. But what is the reinforcement when they get there, right? Like just letting someone in the door and then, you know, not letting them eat the food you're serving is not really uh going to have a good result for them to be there, their experience, or any results that they're going to deliver. So how do you reinforce your commitment to uh, a balance between productivity and mentally thriving in your organization? And I'll give you an example about this. What is the difference from a practical standpoint for the leader of two different groups, right? For the two different leaders of groups. One leader has a group that just hits all their numbers and is doing well 
and they just get along so well and are just thriving, right? From a productivity and, and, and a, you know, mentally thriving aspect, they are just the model, right? What is the difference between how they are treated and another group where they are also hitting their numbers, they're knocking everything out of their park, but they are very unhealthy when it comes from a mental standpoint. There's a lot of fighting, there's a lot of backstabbing, people are burning out, people are quitting, people are filing a lot of lawsuits and, you know, getting upset at each other, um, you know, there's swearing, fighting. What is the difference to the organization in how they treat those two groups? And both groups are hitting their numbers. Both groups are a huge productivity asset for the company. But from a practical standpoint for the leader, from a practical standpoint from the people in the group, are they treated any differently? Do you do anything differently? Because if you don't, you are reinforcing that it doesn't matter. You are reinforcing that only productivity matters and mentally thriving and working well together and supporting each other is a nice to have. So that's the second R. The first R is recruit. And the second R is reinforce. How do you reinforce uh, for the people who you've recruited and who are there? And the third R is to rewire, right? And this has more to do uh, with the individuals themselves and uh, maybe some things, um, some programs that you can, uh, or training that you can give them now. Just to be clear, they're going to have to do this themselves, right? Like rolling out a program is, is not going to be helpful. But sometimes by even having the program and providing the training, it normalizes that this is important and it can give them additional resources. Because when people are overwhelmed, like that's not the first thing they say, like, hey, let me take a training to help me with my overwhelm. It's like I don't have time to take the training because I'm so overwhelmed. So um, the uh, formula for rewiring that I like to share is there's three steps. One, you have to have awareness, right? Do you know that there's a problem, right? Do you know that you're overwhelmed and that you lack resources? Two, what is your ability to handle the discomfort of disrupting your normal behavior and routine of dealing with that problem? Can you handle the fact that you might try to do something else? Because what you're doing is the more comfortable thing. That's why we do it. Right? So one is your awareness that it's actually happening. And two, what's your ability to handle the, dis uh, the, handle the discomfort of disrupting your ordinary behavior? The third step for rewiring is to have an alternate behavior to replace the existing default or automatic behavior. And it's very important. It's about replacing the existing behavior with a new behavior. It's very hard to tell someone, just don't do that. Well, what am I supposed to do? It's always more effective to replace a behavior that you want to stop with a new behavior. And then what happens is as you repeat this new behavior over and over again, it becomes the new automatic behavior. So I hope that's been helpful, uh, Doug. Uh, you know, what companies can do is they can recruit, reinforce, and rewire uh, for their teams for a better balance between productivity and mental health. So the second question you had is, uh, what is my advice for veterans, minorities, and disenfranchised groups struggling to reenter the workforce after a prolonged mental health break? And this is a real um, issue. 
you know, mental health breaks have their own specific issues and also just being out of the workforce. We all know that being out of the workforce for any amount of time can often create challenges and question marks from um, recruiters or potential hiring managers. So I have three suggestions that people can try to implement to help with that. The first one is to find allies, right? What is the network that you are reaching out to that really supports what you've gone through, uh, the way you've handled it, and where you are now, you know, continuing with your career journey? Find those allies because, as you know, because you asked the question, not everyone's supportive of that. And not everyone not everyone really gets that. So the place you want to start is find those allies, right? Organizations have, um, you know, resource groups, you know, KPMG does uh, for people with, you know, different abilities or uh, challenges. Um, there are community organizations that have that. There may be Facebook groups or um, other, you know, mastermind groups uh, that have that sort of support and community. You know, find those allies and be networked with that because those are, that's the starting point, right? They can share with you their experience. Um, they're going to be more apt to want to help you uh, and leverage their own uh, connections, right? So the second thing uh, I think could be helpful is to frame the gap, right? I mean, there's no getting around that there's a gap, right? To, to, to survive, to do the right thing, uh, you took some time off to, to protect yourself and your own mental health. So that exists. So pretending it doesn't exist or being ashamed of it or trying to hide it or hoping it doesn't come up, um, one, it's not really helpful to you. And two, it actually um, takes a lot of power uh, away from you. What you can do to really regain that power is to frame that gap and to tell your story. Because the more you tell your story, the less power it will have over you. Because people, what do they say? Nature abhors a vacuum. So if you don't tell the story, they're going to make up a story in their head. I don't know about you, but if there's ever a question mark about my behavior or a gap, I want to be the one telling the first story. You may not believe it. You may not agree with it, but I don't want to leave it to your devices you know, to make up that story, especially if we don't have a pre-existing relationship. I don't trust that you will give me the benefit of the doubt. I don't know you, right? Maybe you've had bad experiences uh, with people like me or uh, with mental health in general, and they don't line up with what I'm about to share. Well, if I don't share it, then I don't get the benefit of sharing that. And you're just going to understandably uh, go with your own explanation. So one, find allies to frame the gap by telling your own story. And the third thing I think could be helpful is, you know, draw power from your experience, right? Instead of looking at it as something that needs to be overcome or something that's a potential minus, look at this as something amazing that you have done and come through that many people may not have been able to do as successfully as you, right? And apply that power to the next steps you're going to take, right? You didn't give up on your journey back to where you are today. And because of that, you shouldn't give up or be dissuaded too easily uh, when 
you face challenges in the hiring process and recruiting. You have that power within you to bring that same sort of um, determination, that same grit, whatever word you want to use for it, that same resilience, that same power. You have that in you already. You've already proven it. So leverage that uh, as a power, as a superpower you have that a lot of people you know, may not have realized yet because they haven't had to go through anything as challenging as you. Because we all have um, that power inside us, but sometimes it needs to be activated. And, and unfortunately, we have to be tested sometimes to really see the extent um, of our power and to really come into it and own it. So, Doug, thank you so much for your question on the first episode of Executive Presence Morsels, Ask Me Anything. For anyone else who has a question, uh, please leave a voice message on Anchor FM. There's a voice message button, or you can send your question via email to me at joe at connectioncounselor.com. Remember, it's not what you say, do, or wear. It's how you make people feel that generates executive presence. Nothing else matters. Thank you for joining us for this bonus episode of Executive Presence Morsels, brought to you by our sponsors. Tune in next time for your daily dose of Executive Presence. Thanks for listening. Join us next time for another tasty Executive Presence Morsel.